Hello listeners, I am so excited to be joined by Holly Matthews today, the one and only absolute freaking legend. But before we get started, I just want to say a massive thank you to Amy Polly, founder of the Mental Health Rebellion, who is our sponsor for the entire year. If you haven't checked out Amy, you're going to absolutely love her. She's wild, she's wacky, she's definitely rebellious and she's freaking awesome. And actually Holly, she reminds me of you whenever I see you in person. She reminds me, she's like a little pocket rocket. <laughs> she really is. She's like, yes, all it's is just you in 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 in, 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 in I will seek her out and become best friends forever. Oh my gosh, you're literally like twins. You so remind me of each other. So, Holly, you're the perfect example of a rebel influencer, in my opinion. You are rebellious. You don't let anybody put you into a box, which I absolutely love. You don't just rebel for the sake of rebelling, but you really lean into however the fuck you feel in that moment. You tell it how it is. You're influential in the most amazing way. And I absolutely couldn't think of anybody that I prefer to have on here. So welcome to the Rebel Influencer Podcast. Hi. I'm so excited. I love the name of this podcast. I love it. It's fantastic. And I try, <laughs> I try, I mean, I think it's, sometimes I think there's an innate just rebellion in some people. Like I feel that. And I know you are that as well. Yeah. Like natural sort of like, I want to be naughty. Like, and I just mean like, I want to like, I just don't want to be told what to do. I don't want somebody to, you know, tell me that this is how it's always been done or that because there's always another way. And I think that's how I've always, if I look back on my work in life, that's how I've done everything. Like I have always just been the one that's a bit cheeky, ask the question and a lot of people don't ask the question because they think there's a perfect route or a more professional route or a proper route to something. And, you know, people like you and I will go, well, why can't we just do it that way? I'm just going to ask you, can I do the thing? And <laughs> like, I look back now on my career and I'm like, that is, that's how I've done it always from being, you know, when I started in TV at 11, I, as an, as an actress, I, I wrote a letter to the TV company and just said, can I have a job basically like can I be in your tv show and they got me in for an audition and I look back at that and then I got a part for seven years but I look, <laughs> you know, that, that's how it works right but I I looked I look back at that and I think I still do it in exactly the same way like I don't it's still the same I'm still the one that will go straight to the head of a company and and just ask the question good example of that being Ariana Huffington uh, the, when the Huffington Post you know meant like sort of quite a few years ago now I guess maybe like 2012 2013 people wanted to be you know bloggers they wanted to write for the Huffington Post and I was like yeah I'd like to do that I feel like that should be like that's a nice tick in the box and I just searched Ariana Huffington's email address and I don't think that's how people people were like doing it the proper route you know going through her people <laughs> And I, yeah, email really and just thought I'm just to ask her. She's the she's the one in charge. So I emailed her and kind of didn't really expect to get a reply. And I got a reply from Ariana Huffington herself saying she'd love me to write for it. And would I also write for Thrive, which had was was new at the time, and she was just bringing it out. And I just think sometimes you've just got to be that person that just in Newcastle we call it shy bands getting out. There's a saying. <laughs> I love that. My bands getting out. If you do not ask, you do not get. And that's, you know, that's how I do things around here. I absolutely love that. So you touched a little bit on your background. 
of starting your acting career at just 11, which is crazy, especially now you've got girls that are around the age. How do you feel about that? Like, how does that make you feel? What if the girls decide that they're going to write a letter tomorrow? And, and I, mean, I mean, I'd absolutely be all down for it. But it's funny because what I was talking to my sister, who's got young kids as well, and and we were obviously because our kids are getting to that age. Brooke, my daughter, is eleven now, so she's exactly that age. And going into secondary school was when I got that part, and um, and she's doing all that. So it does make you reflect. And I look at her and I'm like, she's so young, like that's so weird. And my, me and my sister were talking about it, and she was, my sister was saying like, actually, you know, when we look back, it was quite weird, wasn't it, that you did that? <laughs> that it was quite weird. like we just, you know, you accept it. That's your your life. But I think. I was very lucky in that I came from a family like my mum and dad. My dad was a welder. My mum worked in a bank. We were not some starry-eyed stage school family or anything of the sort. But what we did have was I came from a family that speak up, a family that always, you know, there, there's no fence sitters in my family. They say what they think and yeah. they debate and they're, you know, pretty political as a family in terms of like they they say what they think, they stand up for things. And, mm-hmm. you know, my dad was a union man. And like, I, I, I grew up with, you know, you say what you think and you go for what you want. And my dad would say to me constantly, the world is your oyster. I go and you've got to, you've got to leave Newcastle. And that was not a criticism of Newcastle. I love where I'm from. Mm-hmm. But it was don't stay still, just move, try things. You know, you you don't have to be one thing forever. And they, they never put me in a box. And I think as much as that, I think that's quite a big deal for their generation because they yeah. didn't grow up in that. They were told to get in line. So the fact that, I mean, there were punks as well. I didn't add that into the mix. My mom <laughs> punks. So they probably had that natural rebellion in themselves. And, and I guess that really did sort of filter into me and my sister, you know, just live your life the way that you want and I was very supported in that I love that because actually my my dad how I was brought up was very much like get in line you know like get in line do the things I mean he's extremely ambitious but it was you know go to college and then go to university and study business and you know women should be a certain way and he Mm. would probably completely deny it but you know I know (laughs) well that's different isn't it like now that you're doing amazing he's like oh yeah that was the route I always had <laughs> that was me I did that but actually like I think it being from that culture it forced me the other way I was like hell mm. freaking no like that's yeah. not what that's not what I want to do that's not what I want to be and actually with my children although it's hard as a parent and you'll probably experience this as the girls get older mine's now my oldest is 18 which is just nuts um it's it's an interesting situation to have a child where you're encouraging them to be super individual and go do their thing and then you're like oh but can you just follow the rules and uh can you just try to your room and can you not be so wild and can you not have tattoos and can you not do all of the things that you want to do when you're 16 it's so hard that's so hard and we have it now like and I totally agree I had this conversation recently with a friend where I was like I want my children to be outspoken. I want them to debate. I want them to, you know, lean into who they are, find their own happy. But then as a parent, you're like, can you just do it? You told. <laughs> so yes. like, like it's such a hard balance because I don't want my children to get in line. I I do want them to question authority and me. And I guess the benefit of that is that for us as parents, it does, it keeps us growing. It, you know, I will, I will say to my kids all of the time, like my dad said to me, to be fair, I always say to them, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, 
I've never done this before and I'm doing the best that I can and I'm going to be a hot mess a lot of the time. And I think because I try to be open in that way, it, it does naturally give space for their chaos to be there as well. And, yeah. and that to be okay and not judged, even in, even if, and you know, I would say to them, even if in the moment we judge it and we, we are annoyed by each other's behavior or we don't like something, on reflection when we've calmed and we're not in the heat of that moment we usually can see the reasons behind something or we can we can understand it and we can give space for it and I think you know I hope that will hold our children in good stead going forward that they won't be just children that don't have a voice I, I want our kids to have a voice yeah I think and, and I think more and more so over the next you know 10 15 20 years they're going to need it like I look at the world now and I compare it to 10 years ago 20 years ago and I'm like holy hell where are we headed these kids are going to need balls of steel to deal with the world that we're living in right now let alone how it's progressing so I I definitely agree I think even though it makes it a harder time for us (laughs) parenting I do think I think that we're we're setting them up for good stead. We just need to brace ourselves in the meantime, right? Well, that's it. And for those parents that have, you know, out there that are listening who have some similar children, similar dynamics, just hold tight. We've just got to get them through this bit. We've got to get them through this tough bit until they're adults, and you know, then they have to look after us. I think that's the rule, isn't it? Is that how it happens? Is that? I think happens? so. I'm just still working it out. I mean, bearing in mind I'm nearly on number six, and. <laughs> you know I've 18 years of experience mm-hmm. it, you know but I'm still figuring this shit out <laughs> like I'm just still right. trying to figure out how to deal with the day-to-day and the different personalities that come along with it mm-hmm. so Holly what does influence mean to you In, so influence to me I mean I, I think probably everyone that's been on here will probably have discussed something along the lines of not the influencer tag always feels a bit weird because it conjures up a different image to what we might see it as but influence to me means having a really a, a platform where you get to talk about things that you feel passionately about and mm-hmm. if I look back on my life my you know from being in tv I have pretty much always had a platform of some description not in the way that we do now where we have literal platforms on social media but it's always been there and I have actually if I look back I have always understood that it was a space for good so even before influencing type um you know was a thing in social media I would as an actor I'd, I'd often get the opportunity to work with charities or to you know have conversations in the media about things I was going through knowing that it would be useful to other people and I've always had a kind of instinctive understanding that that was a positive thing so you know everything from my my youngest sorry my oldest daughter when she was born she was premature I had preeclampsia there was all kind of stuff around stuff around that even though that when that when she was born it was still very very early early days for kind of social media influencing and that kind of thing Mm. I was speaking to the press about that and I was sharing my journey because I kind of instinctively knew it would it would be something good for other people so influencing for me is having a space where you can shine the light on or um share something that you're passionate about to a wider audience 
I absolutely love that explanation. And I think for so many years, I was like, oh, God, do not label me as an influencer. I'm definitely not standing in my pants promoting a protein shake. (laughs) (laughs) And then I actually started to really understand the power of influence. And, you know, if standing in your pants promoting a protein shake makes you happy, go do you. Like, I have nothing against it whatsoever. Like, I am good. You go do what makes you feel good. But... Mm -hmm. Now I understand the power of influence. I'm like, why doesn't everybody want to be influential in their circle? Like, it's so powerful. And it's not just powerful for making money. It's powerful for actually making real change in not only your life, but other people's lives too. Like, I love the fact that if somebody says to me, Leona, I need, you know, an amazing coach, I can go, okay, so I know Holly and I know this person and I, you know, who can I connect you with? That for me is, is massive because I know that if I can't support them, somebody else can. And that for me is influence. And, and that's where real fundamental change comes to play, I think. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And, and have it the bigger the platform. You're absolutely right. Yes. The, it, the initial thoughts are, well, the bigger your platform, the more money you make. But actually, it's I think once you're in a position where you've got money coming in right, and you, mm. you're making a, a decent living and all of that, after that, that's not enough. More money and more money and more money isn't enough to make you actually feel happy. What you then need is purpose or a reason, you know, something that you know, something that is purposeful, something that you feel like you're giving back. More money, more money. As we we know, we both had success within our work and highs and lows, of course. But we've had a, a decent. We've had it. We've we've got money coming in, right? And but after a point, that kind of ceases to be a driver, you know. And it might. I mean, I would say, and probably the same for you. It's not. It's not always been my driver at all. Freedom's yeah. my. It's it's really not. Money gives me freedom, so that's why it's useful. But it also gives me all the stuff we just said, which is the ability to help other people in some capacity, whether that's connecting them with others, whether that's me talking about self-development, whether it's you helping people with their businesses and you know, all of these things, they that feels good and that's actually a way better feeling, a way better payoff than money in the bank. Money in the bank, you know. You can have, you can keep going until you get all the money in the world. But if there's no why, if there's no bigger purpose for you, I think it feels a bit nothingness. It does, it does. And actually, you know, at the end of the day, more money, more problems, more bills, more that. (laughs) It's like, well, you know, for me, it's like it. It for me, it's all about freedom. It's all about what does this equate to? What can it give me? What can it give other people? How can I use it for impact rather than, you know, oh great, I've you know collected this money and now it's just doing whatever it's it's definitely not about that at all so yeah I completely agree and actually the larger the platform not necessarily I know some massively influential people Mm. that have really in the grand scheme of things got a quite a small circle but they're hugely respected in in their circles and they just there's no ego it's just they they know what they do works they know how they show up they know how they support other people and that for me is very attractive like having that in a person is is an amazing is an amazing place to be so how can the everyday person increase their influence because I hear all the time oh but it's okay for so-and-so because they did this and oh and yeah but they you know they modeled or they whatever Mm. it's like just bullshit like yes people have experienced things and yes people can play on those situations to better themselves and grow their influence but at the end of the day we all started somewhere absolutely and it dries out regardless you know like 
you know, I still talk about my acting and stuff like that. I know you do as well, but that's only ever to open a door. No one really gives a shit. Not really. <laughs> no one gives a shit. If, like they, they only give a shit about what you're doing in that moment. And I think so from in terms of like being influential, it's it starts from your your smaller circle. It starts from being influential in your circles, whether that's being a great friend, whether that's being a fantastic neighbor or, you know, it starts in those smaller circles. If you show up, as a leader in all aspects of your life then then when you go whether when you go into a business or when you're doing your work or whatever as a parent it will shine through all of it and you will begin to notice that people start to gravitate towards you I mean I would say that my work now in self-development really came about because I was shown up as I was talking very honestly about my own stuff and shown up I hate to say the word authentically now because it feels like it says said too much when it doesn't always mean that to people. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I was shown up in a way that was really me. And that I think is leadership because it's going, this is me and it's okay to be whatever that is. And by doing that, I found that people did start to gravitate towards me about self-development, you know, whether, whether it's about confidence and all of those things was happening quite naturally. And I think that was just a distinction in my mind that I was going to show up and be the best version of myself and be the weirdest version of whatever that is, like not try to, you know, mute myself in any way. I'll just be who I was. And I think when we do that, that honesty can create influence in itself. There's nothing more rebellious than be, being completely yourself. There's nothing more rebellious in a world where everybody wants you to get in line, when everybody wants you to be the same, have the same bloody dress sense, do the same kind of job, get it, you know, go to university, do the night of five. When, when you are brought up in a world where you're told be the same but somehow shine, the most rebellious thing that you can be is yourself. If you just love, you know, you love sitting in your house collecting virals and that's your favorite thing in the world to do and that makes you feel good and lights you up, then lean into that and be you. And there'll be somebody across the other side of the world that be like, I also love virals and let's connect and let's create a course on viral selling. I don't know, right? But <laughs> that's it. You know, after this podcast, that course is definitely coming out. <laughs> it's probably you because we'll probably go down some rabbit hole about Bible. <laughs> we probably would knowing you and I to be fair definitely so there are lots of people that are going to be listening to this that you know I'm people know me for being a bit gregarious a bit out there and I suppose you're you know you're the same there are lots of people that are nervous they're yeah. unconfident they're fearful of whatever someone else is going to say and you know rejection and all of the things that come along trolls and unhappy yeah. lack of sexed people hmm. what would you say to those people that are listening first and foremost to be confident and to be a leader doesn't mean being the loudest in the room it really doesn't that's a total like misconception and you don't have to be if you are a more introverted sensitive character then you're wonderful and you should lean into that and there's lots of other people that want that softer approach not everybody that is even listening to this will particularly like at mine and your style it might be too fun it might be and that's really okay and, and I know that you wouldn't judge either because I don't it's no have to find what feels good to you. So I really, really think in terms of rejection, in terms of trolling, all of that, come and work with someone like me. We work on that, right? Rejection. I did a whole um, session on rejection resilience over the last month within my membership. And one of the things with rejection resilience is you have to learn, you have to literally train yourself to be rejected. Leona and I were actors, right? So we have 
experienced many, 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 many rejections within our work and life because that's how that world works, right? So we probably built up a level of rejection resilience without even realizing we were doing that. Most people don't get that. They probably have a few job interviews in their whole life and, and they get that sting or maybe a, a failed relationship or somebody that they asked out that didn't say yes. We don't get rejected enough to really build resilience for most people. And I watched this amazing um, TED talk recently and I forget the guy's name, but essentially he went out, I think it was for like a month where every day he aimed to get rejected. So he would go to like, you know, he would go to a, a bedding shop and he would go, can I go for a sleep? He would go and ask the employee, can I have a sleep in one of the beds? And, and they would say no, obviously. So it would feel like a mini embarrassing rejection. And, and he did this every day. And, and so within my membership, I, I created a list of like ridiculous things to try and do. And now I know for those that are nervous, you're thinking, oh my God, that sounds absolutely horrendous. But I promise you, if you can build a certain level of just laughing at that, how absurd life is, and how you will be rejected. And it's really, really largely got nothing to do with you. It's not, a, it, it's largely nothing to do with you. And certainly if it's, you know, trolling and stuff like that, I think as grown adults, we need to start, I'm not going to baby people about this. It's trolling is horrible, but it's also, you have to make a distinction and go that it's just a load of shit. Like, I'm not going to listen to somebody's opinion on the internet. I've had it, you've had it. And some of the things that they say are absolutely horrendous. When my husband was having his second brain surgery, I had somebody messaging me saying, boo-hoo, your husband's got brain cancer, bring out the violins. I mean, the stuff that you get is horrific, but I feel like we're adults enough now that we have to we have to constantly remind ourselves that it's bollocks and that a person that puts something like that on the internet or goes out of their way to put something crap on your you know your business stuff or whatever somebody who does that it's all about them and it's not about you and yeah i think you've got to do some work on yourself that's why i'm a, i'm i fully believe in self development work i love what i do but i don't believe in wishy washy self development we've got to take responsibility for that mm. i look at that stuff you look at that stuff i see it and what i do is go that's not about me that's you like what's I'm, i really feel sorry for you i wonder what's going on for you that you think you've got to post that to me on the internet that's so sad you know, and humor helps as well, by the way. I think humor is a, a huge part of it. If you can learn to laugh at yourself and all of your craziness, that's a big part of it. If we can look, if we can like ourselves, even though we're fucking chaotic, which I definitely am, I, I'm far, <laughs> far from a perfect human being. Like I'm a whirlwind and I know it. But now, rather than pretending that I'm not and like trying to fit into like, oh, I should be the, you know, the good girl in some I'm just like, no, I am in my hot mess. I shout too much sometimes. I'm fiery. I say the wrong thing. I'm impulsive. I break things because I go too fast all the time. Yeah. Um, forget. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, like rather than going, that makes me a crap person and judging myself, I just go, okay, that's part of it. So what can I do to get myself to be if I'm at A? Like, that's it. I absolutely love that. And I, you know, I was listening to Gary V a long time ago and somebody asked him how he ignores the trolls or whatever they asked. And he was like, look, you get good and you get bad. And he said, "You, if you buy into the good and the hype of your own self too much, you're yeah. going to buy into the negative. And he's okay. absolutely right. Like, I, I don't, I've got to the point now where I just don't even see it because I don't, 
scroll through reading all of the lovely things about myself and inflate my own ego and you know because I I do realize that people come and go this industry is fast paced it's moving somebody loves you one second they hate you the next minute you know and if you buy into all of that hype you're buying into then you start to read the oh she's this and this happened and she is a bad person and they whatever it's like you're you're buying into other other people's opinions and actually the reality is if you know that you're showing up doing the best that you can in that moment and you're doing good stuff then do you know what the rest is irrelevant like completely I heard I heard Gary say that as well Gary V and I heard him say you described it as don't listen to the clapping and don't listen to the booing if you don't hear any of it like you know the it's it's lovely to get nice compliments and you know when you the bigger your platform that you get the more nice comments you also get as well but I think you're absolutely right you don't want to it's it's lovely to take a moment for sure when you are doing something good you know I've got my book coming out it's nice to notice and go oh that's a really that's a moment and it's lovely to get nice comments and things like that but I don't I don't if I then get a somebody that goes I really hate what you're doing that's okay as well and I really think I'm in a position now why am I, I am comfortable with that because yeah. I know I'm not for everyone in fact I'm actively not for everybody you know I as like you I swear a whole heap and if I walk I usually use that as a bit of a litmus test of a room so if I go in and say fuck and the room just recoils in horror I know <laughs> it's not my room I know it's not my room and that's and I'm not really, my room this is not my room. This is too sensitive, this room. But I'm okay with that. Like I, And I think I, I almost, in my marketing now, actively try to repel the people that aren't going to ever buy off me in, in the end anyway. They're not going to get it. If you go on my social media and you see me write motherfucker somewhere and you're like, oh God, like that's horrific. That's so unladylike, how crass. Don't look at the rest of it because you're not going to enjoy it and it's going to upset you. <laughs> so I, I really think we just, you're so right. If you are constantly looking outside of yourself, you're going to, I almost see it like a roller coaster ride. You're like, you're going to go up and down with how you feel about yourself. You've got to create a little bubble in your own home, in your own space, in your own mind. If you can create a space in there where it's safe and you're all right with yourself, it doesn't matter what anybody else is saying. I mean, listen to the people who've got actual, you know, experience and clout. If they're giving you valued, you know, criticism, that's, you know, cool. constructive. That's a different thing. But that's that's totally a different thing. And we're not talking about that. We're talking about some knobhead that you went to school with making a comment on your social media. <laughs> so what? Like, I, I kind of do feel like I'm getting to a point now where I'm just not going to baby people about that because I care about you. You, it's some. Sometimes we've got to be grown-ups. And that doesn't mean that one or two comments won't get in and sting. Have a cry. That's all right. Have a cry yeah. and then get your shit together. Exactly. Absolutely. So before we go, you touched on the fact that your book is launching, which I'm so freaking excited about. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the process and what that's been like. It's been a crazy process. So I knew I would write a book. I've always been a writer. I'm a storyteller. You know, it comes from being an actor and all of that stuff. And one of my passions when it comes to self-development and making my brand, The Happy Me Project, it's always been about how can we take the fancy out of self-development? How can we make it really basic, really simple? Because I know, and you know, when you're in times of absolute difficulty or trauma or sadness, you don't want to read some big, deep, 
article about psychology. You just want somebody to give you some tools that you can use right now that might make you feel a bit better. And I also appreciate that we all have the attention span of gnats right now. And, you know, we're used to social media posts. We're used to easy, bite-sized, chunkable TikToks or um, reels or whatever. And so we don't necessarily, I'm not saying this is everybody, but a huge chunk of us don't have time to sit down and read a book cover to cover in one sitting. It's not realistic. But I also know that we need self-development. We need the stuff that I'm talking about more than ever. So this was my idea. I didn't really know exactly what it was going to look like, other than it would be a book that I would read that you could pick up, you could flick through. It's now it's 60, it's 60 chapters, but each chapter is only four pages with tangible actionable stuff for you to do at the end of each chapter and they're all kind of they're all self-contained so you can read it from you know front to back as a normal human being might or you can yeah. do what I would probably do is flick and pick a chapter that I want to read that day and whatever right and I so when I had this idea 2019 I talked about it this is really important guys I talked about what I wanted on social media I said I'm writing a book proposal I put it out into the world and that felt scary because that's then oh well what if you don't do it what if you fail all of the noise comes up in your head but I said it and by saying it it just so happened that an editor at a huge publishing company was following me on social media I didn't know this and she was called and she is sorry she's not it wasn't it was she is called Holly which also stood out to me because it's an excellent name so Holly messaged me and said would you like to, I work for Bloomsbury Publishing, um, would you like to send me your proposal? And I nearly fell off my seat because I was like, Bloomsbury, like the big, one of the biggest publishers in the world. And I honestly thought I'm going to Google this and she's going to work for Flumesbury or something. That's not actually Bloomsbury. Bloomsbury. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't quite the one. But anyway, she really was. And so I put a proposal to her at the end of 2019 and was kind of just in the background. I was very, I very much let go of the outcome of it because I was like I'm making I'm doing this book regardless be wicked to get this publisher but I am I'm gonna write the book and we'll get it and um she then so then we were doing this in the background and then 2020 hit and suddenly you know we've got a whole pandemic in the middle and the publishers are saying look we're gonna we're gonna hold off on it because market you know we we, we don't know what's gonna happen in the world and all of this stuff and so I um I was just, you know, kind of seeing what would happen. And then in the middle of a bloody lockdown, in the middle of a pandemic, suddenly I get an email that said offer. And I've got an offer of a book. And it was just absolutely wild. You know, like it was obviously the world was going crazy. And I'm in here going, yay, in my own house with my kids, in, you know, homeschooling. <laughs> and just like, yay, the, I'm, I'm writing a book. And the kids, well, the funniest thing about it was that because we were in lockdown, there was like nothing to do. And, you know, a lot of us were like buying things on Amazon. <laughs> like the house was full of boxes we're just all bored bored in the house um and I I was very very I, I get quite excited to declutter because I'm a bit of a hoarder like I just get loads of crap and then like then I want to get rid of it because it annoys me yeah so, me too oh my god and so I've gone into my kids I'm like guys I've got some really good news and the first thing that they said to me was oh mom we're not going to the tip again are we <laughs> <laughs> oh my god because I'm that cool and um, so so yeah so I started I know I'm writing the book during lockdown and it was the what the way the books the way it came together was 
during lockdown, I went live every day for about three months, maybe longer, and, and live for a long time after that, on and off within my free spaces. It was my way of giving back. It was my way of showing up. And by doing that, I was really working with a massive amount of people in real time on their self-development. They were bringing things to me, anxiety and imposter syndrome and self-sabotage. And every day I'm coming up with new ideas and I'm scribbling down notes on my little post-it notes like a crazy person. And I'm um, I'm thinking, right, these are, these are great ideas. I'm going to try this with people. And people were coming back to me with real-time feedback. These big pile, this big pile of post-it notes, that's the book. Like That became the book. I took all of those crazy scribblings out of my office drawer and I put them on the table and I went, which of these come up more than once? Like, Which of these things keep coming up? What, which are regular things, whether it's judgment or not being able to say no to people or whatever it was. And I then made these the chapters, the chapter list and I got to work with it. It's been two years of a process, which is absolute craziness. And, you know, a lot of editing, which I absolutely hate doing because... I remember I, our lunch in Marbella, you were like, I've got to edit my book, and I'm dreading it, I'm avoiding editing, and I was yeah, like... I was procrastinating, wasn't I? And because I've, I've written it, I mean, I have ADHD, I know you're on that spectrum as well, and I think sure. those that are, we're, we're like, we put it out into the work, we've done something, and then we're like, yeah, I never want to see that again, like, I've done it, I did the work, I did it, and so and it was a real, I mean, it's a growth thing for me, and, you know, those that do have ADHD or, or on, have any, you know, dyslexia or anything like that, please don't think that's a stopper for you doing this stuff, there's a way around it, and my editor was amazing in that she gave me deadlines, and I like a deadline, because we work to the very last minute of that deadline. Okay. Yes, I feel you, pain. <laughs> But it works, right? And and so I, I did that. And now we're at a stage where we're in sort of pre-launch. We're in, if people can pre-order the Happy Me project, a no-nonsense guide to self-development. And it goes live proper, proper, where you'll be able to get the book in your hands on the 9th of June. And I'm, it's wild. It is such a weird, because the book is very much intertwined with my own life experience as well. So I've shared a lot of my own stuff, which I've obviously got a massive hangover from now because now I'm like, oh, it's all well and good me saying this on a live stream or a podcast or, you know, social media, which most people, you know, there'll be a lot of people will see it, but you know, your grandma or whatever's not reading it. And now my grandma is going to get, read all my stuff and my kids get to read it. And I've grasped myself up in there and I've said things that maybe I would want them to know. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, wow. if you've written anything bad about me in there I'm coming after you like, like I wouldn't you. dream of it I wouldn't dream <laughs> of it. I think you're an angel Holly where can we find you before you go tell everybody where they can come and stalk you and have a look at all of your swearing sweary oh, stuff please do um well you can if you go to iamhollymatthews.com slash all my stuff you will find all my stuff so you will find my podcast you will find my my life culture membership the happy me project membership the book you can even depending on when this goes out into the world on the 26th of june in warwick in the uk if you were in the uk then you can come and see me in person i'm doing a restival which is a whole day of self-development and of course you were invited but you have to go and have all of these babies and uh, probably <laughs> how, how rude rude 
I saw, I mean, you could have been, you could have been chatting in it or anything, you know, it's, you, you'll be at the next one for sure, but people can come and meet me in real life as well there. Um, but I do have a free Facebook group, which is the Happy Me Project, which I have to be very honest, I'm not in there all the time now because I focus a lot on my members in the membership, but I do go in there and it is a safe space to land. It is a safe place to talk about self-development and how things that are going on for you. And I'm very much all over Instagram. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Instagram. So come and say hi and let me know you've been from this podcast because um I would just like you a little bit extra if you have because <laughs> we are obviously faves well Holly it's been a pleasure I love you to pieces give those girls a big squidge from me and um yeah it's been a blast Thank go sort Holly she's amazing and grab that book you need it in your life Ooh.